It is time I come clean about something. One of my first jobs was as a DJ at a roller rink in the suburbs. So today, we're going to look at roller skating in Chicago, the history of the fads, and a few of the memorable rinks in the area. I apologize in advance if I don't mention your favorite rink growing up, as I learned while researching this episode, digging through the archives at craigslostchicago.com. Thanks, Craig. Chicago had so many rinks. So many. I'll be posting images from quite a few of them on the Chicago History Podcast social media pages. Feel free to share memories of your favorite rink growing up. I'm Tommy Henry, and this is the Chicago History Podcast. All skate, couples only, backward skate, jam skate. For those of you of a certain age, these terms are all too familiar. Growing up in the southwest suburbs, roller skating was a fun activity, and the roller rink was a place to meet up with friends and maybe finally get the nerve to ask Tracy Guanzi to couple skate awkwardly, holding each other's sweaty hands while trying not to fall. Ah, my 30s. A kid, and I'm getting ahead of myself. Shoes with wheels on the bottom, I guess you could call them skates, have been around since the mid-1700s, but weren't very good. Research shows that the guy credited with the very rudimentary and unsafe skates, John Joseph Merlin, didn't even bother to patent them. To his credit, Merlin did invent the Dutch oven. Various advances to the wheels-on-your-feet concept continued for the next 100-ish years, when in 1863, a Massachusetts-born inventor named James Leonard Plimpton designed the quad skates with four wheels on the bottom of each foot, which were easier to steer by shifting your weight left or right. Reaction to these new skates was positive, and sensing he was onto something, Plimpton began promoting his creation while aggressively protecting his numerous patents on his quad skate. He formed the New York Roller Skating Association and opened some of the earliest U.S. skating rinks in New York and at a Rhode Island resort. Plimpton did not want to sell skates to the general public. He only wanted to sell to rinks so that skaters would have the best experience skating possible. Of course, if Plimpton owned the rink, the skates, and the patents, one might surmise he was really just about keeping all the money under one roof, his. As for roller skating in Chicago, one of the earliest mentions I found was in the Society Topic section of the November 14, 1880 issue of the Chicago Tribune which reads, quote, The latest rage among our society people is the roller skating rink, corner of Michigan and Congress Street, as the crowds of fashionable ladies who visit there can testify, end quote. Less than two weeks later, this ran in the Tribune. Among the successful social events of the day were three skating lessons given at the Chicago Roller Skating Rink at the corner of Michigan Avenue and Congress Street. The forenoon and afternoon sessions were well attended, but the gathering in the evening was indeed a compliment to the managers of this new enterprise. According to news coverage of the day, skaters were accompanied by string bands playing music while they circled the rink. 
Most rinks would eventually transition to using pipe organs to accompany skaters. In the late 1800s and early part of the 20th century, roller skating was promoted as not only fun, but good exercise. In 1902, Chicago saw a new rink open at the Chicago Coliseum, 1513 South Wabash. 7,000 people showed up for the opening. Seeing Opportunity Brothers Ralph and Walter Ware founded the Chicago Roller Skate Company in 1905. After a few moves to bigger and better facilities, they eventually settled into a building at 4408 West Lake Street in West Garfield Park, where they continued to make skates and skate parts for most of the 20th century. Fun fact, according to MadeInChicago.com, Walter Ware's son Gordon designed one of the first inline roller skates, which was patented in 1966. Unfortunately, the concept was considered too far ahead of its time and was quickly discontinued. Further connecting Chicago to the roller skating craze was the first film for SNA Studios, a film shot near what is now Wells Street and just south of Schiller Street called An Awful Skate or The Hobo on Rollers. Released in July of 1907, it featured janitor-turned-actor Ben Turpin in a story of an out-of-control skater smashing into people. It was very successful. In the March 17, 1917 issue of Scientific American, authors advised commuters to strap on skates to get to work. Their key selling point, unlike other vehicles, skates can be taken into the building with you. Along with roller skating for fun and physical activity, there were also those who developed sports utilizing roller skates. According to the National Museum of Roller Skating website, it was in the spring of 1935 that an event promoter named Leo Seltzer sketched out an idea on a tablecloth at Chicago's Johnny Ricketts restaurant for a roller marathon. By August of that year, 25 male-female teams were selected to compete in the first transcontinental roller derby, which debuted on August 13, 1935. 20,000 fans filled the Chicago Coliseum at 15th Street in Wabash to witness this battle of endurance on skates. According to the book Chicago Rink Rats, The Roller Capital in Its Heyday by Tom Russo, the teams were to skate 64,000 laps around the track, a distance equal to 4,000 miles. For reference, the distance between New York City and San Diego is not quite 3,000 miles. The winners would be the ones to do it in the shortest time. In every 11-and-a-half-hour daily skating session, the teams had to travel 100 miles. During each session, at least one of the two team members had to skate or else the team risked disqualification. A large electronic map measured the distance covered by the skaters as though they were traversing the country. During the remaining 12-and-a-half hours of the day, the skaters often stayed at the Coliseum, sleeping on cots in the middle of the rink. Promoter Leo Seltzer provided the skaters meals and they received free medical attention, but despite safety measures, injuries, and exhaustion were rampant, taking down many teams. 
On Sunday, September 22nd, 1935, 41 days after the event's beginning, teammates Clarice Martin and Bernie McKay won the first roller derby. They were one of only nine teams out of the original 25 to finish the event. In 1937, famed sports writer Damon Runyon suggested changes to roller derby to increase the level of physical contact between the skaters. Instead of just being about endurance, roller derby would evolve to one in which two teams consisting of five players each earned points by successfully circling the track and passing a member of the rival team at the end of the pack. With physical contact not only permitted, but encouraged, skaters began pushing and shoving their opponents, much to the delight of fans. As roller skating interests began to grow, more rinks were built around Chicago and many existing buildings were converted to capitalize off the roller skating craze. In the late 1930s, the Arcadia Ballroom, 4444 North Broadway, became the Arcadia Roller Rink. The 202nd Armory at 5917 North Broadway opened as the world's largest skating rink with a ginormous 34,500 square foot rink floor. In addition to roller derbies, speed skating groups began to pop up around Chicago. Both the Arcadia and the 202nd Armory formed clubs to compete against skate rinks like the Madison Gardens Rink at 2560 West Madison on the west side and the one at Riverview Amusement Park on Western Avenue and Belmont. In other parts of the city, there were rinks like the Far South Side Swank Rink and the White City Rink at 63rd Street. The Giant Hub Rink, which would grow to three locations, was a familiar site on the northwest side. There was also the Roller Bowl, which was based at 1058 West Washington. If that address sounds familiar, it is the same place that housed the 2nd Regiment Armory in the West Loop one of the buildings where victims of the Eastland disaster were taken, and the same place where Oprah Winfrey would base her Harpo Studios when that show was in production. The Chicago Tribune's May 1, 1944 issue contained a story about the more than 300 skaters from across the country who were in town to compete in the National Amateur Roller Skating Championship being held at the Roller Bowl, 1058 West Washington. For the next five days... Competitors from coast to coast would show off their skills in 27 speed events and 13 dance and figure routines. The White City Amusement Park, which opened in 1905 on a former cornfield at 63rd Street and South Parkway, later Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Drive, was another Chicago roller rink location. White City Amusement Park later went bankrupt during the Great Depression and closed all its buildings but its roller rink in 1933. Although the area around the park had become increasingly diverse, White City steadfastly remained a whites-only venue. In 1942, the White City roller rink was the target of protests and even a lawsuit by the Congress of Racial Equality, or CORE, which opposed the continued discrimination against blacks. That rink closed in 1949. That site is now home to the 694-unit Parkway Gardens apartment complex built in the 1950s. ¶¶ 
Another rink of note on the south side was the Savoy at 4733 South Parkway. It was built as a jazz ballroom in 1927, but by 1938 it had also become the go-to rink for African-American skaters with few options for skating. While many other rinks had transitioned to pipe organ music, the Savoy continued to bring jazz acts in to entertain skaters. The Savoy closed in 1948, and after sitting vacant for decades, it was eventually demolished in the early 1970s. The Harold Washington Cultural Center is now on that site. By the late 1940s, according to an article in the Caledonian Record out of St. Johnsbury, Vermont, roller skating was going through a resurgence with 17 million enthusiasts. This was at a time when the U.S. population was a smidge over 149 million. The writer of the article mentions the skating fad collapsing previously. I understood it to mean the 1930s because, quote, rinks were run too much on the level of the pool rooms of the day. You know, too many leering mustaches around. A good girl just didn't feel safe, end quote. He went on to write that rink owners have cleaned up the sport, quote, by getting rid of hangers-on and banning rowdyism. Many rinks now have dress rules. The gents must now don a necktie. His lassie must wear a skirt of proper length, end quote. The previously mentioned Arcadia Rink on North Broadway suffered a fire in 1946, but was rebuilt and purchased by Leo Seltzer, the roller derby innovator. When it reopened, it saw record crowds. On January 4th, 1959, the Arcadia burned down once again and was later demolished. In February of 1964, an article in the Belvedere Daily Republican paper carried the headline, Thousands Pay Farewell to Aragon Ballroom. The article went on to say that the ballroom was being converted into a roller rink. That does not appear to have come to fruition, at least not in 1964. The next mention I found for the Aragon was in early 1966 promoting a boxing match that was to be held there on January 8th. The headliner... A fight featuring Reuben Hurricane Carter, who was arrested later that year and charged in a triple homicide in New Jersey. Carter's story inspired a 1975 Bob Dylan song and a 1999 movie starring Denzel Washington. There is one tragic note in the history of roller skating in Chicago. On Friday, April 21st, 1967, a tornado tore through the south suburbs. That Oaklawn tornado was later credited with killing 33, 18 of those dead within a one-square-block area at 95th Street and Southwest Highway. A 14-year-old boy, a 13-year-old girl, and an unrelated 50-year-old mother of two skating at the Oaklawn roller rink died when the tornado tore off the roof and collapsed rink walls. The Oaklawn Rink was rebuilt and stayed in business until 1995. On June 16, 1971, a fire broke out at the Riverview Roller Rink at Western and Belmont. Although Riverview Park closed in 1967 after 63 seasons in operation, the rink had remained open. The news article noted that the hardwood floors coated with decades of accumulated resin, quote, 
caught fire with explosive force and sent balls of bright orange flames nearly 100 feet skyward. It was not rebuilt. The late 1970s brought another upswing in roller skating interest with outdoor skating and roller discos. Long gone were the days of pipe organs, replaced by DJs playing disco hits of the day while skaters skated. The Chicago Roller Skate Company was cranking out 2,000 pairs of skates a day and could barely keep up with demand. Roller skating was so popular in the late 70s that even the Aragon Ballroom on Chicago's north side, with its large wood floor, finally got in on the craze. In November of 1979, the Aragon launched Roller Mania, which they billed as, quote, the north side's only indoor skating rink, end quote, which catered to all ages with light, sound, pinball dancing, roller competition, refreshments, and prizes. The $5 admission covered skate rental and instruction and was open as a roller rink from 7.30 to midnight Saturday and Sunday for the 16 and over crowd and also had an all-ages Sunday schedule from 1.30 p.m. to 5.30 p.m. By the early 1980s, interest in roller skating began to wane once again. Roller rink operators were also faced with another issue, getting insurance. After suffering a combined $3.8 billion, with a B, dollar loss in 1984 from liability lines, many insurance companies dropped riskier industries like water slides, go-kart parks, and, yes, roller rinks. Rinks were forced to pay insurance premiums amounting to a third to one-half of their receipts or go without insurance and hope for the best. One rink owner, William Fuchs, who opened the Elm Roller Rink in suburban Elmhurst, Illinois in 1956, decided to go without insurance. They did post a sign warning skaters at the time that the rink did not have liability insurance. Known for its massive rink floor, a pair of eye-catching green doors, and a huge sign out front made it look like a giant roller skate, the Elm closed in 1989 after Bill Fuchs became ill and the property was sold. It is now the site of the Lexington Square retirement community of Elmhurst. While the number of rinks has decreased dramatically in the last 20 years, those passionate about skating have continued to support it. Chicago is even credited with a style of skating known as JB, named after remixed James Brown songs and those songs' unique beats. Music spun by rink DJs, primarily hip-hop, gives those skaters with much better coordination on wheels than I have the backing music to show off their intricate footwork. Some of these moves can be seen in the recent HBO documentary United Skates, which looks at the efforts in African-American communities across the country to keep the culture of roller skating alive. One rink featured is South Suburban Rich City Skate in Richton Park, Illinois, Sadly, even though they had a strong fan base, that rink closed its doors in 2016. Changes in zoning laws, and much like the ones we discussed in the episode about Chicago drive-in movie theaters, skyrocketing land values saw those who owned the land occupied by rinks grab a bigger payday by selling land off to developers interested in something other than roller rinks. What became of some of the other roller rinks in the Chicagoland area? 
the much-beloved Rainbow Roller Rink on Clark, just north of Lawrence, closed in 2003 and is now condos. One interesting aspect to Rainbow is that it didn't start operating as a roller rink until late 1999, early 2000, long after the roller skating craze had died off. Madison Gardens on the west side was one of a number of buildings that were set ablaze during the 1968 Democratic Convention. Very close to that former site now resides Johnny's Ice House, an ice rink. Fireside Roll Arena, 850 North Roselle Road in Hoffman Estates, is now the site of a Valley Produce grocery store. Main Street USA in Romeoville, later called USA Skate Center, closed in March of 2015 after 42 years in business. It is now an auto body shop. Main Street USA in Streamwood, Illinois, closed in May of 2012 after struggling to keep up with taxes and other bills. It is now Christ Community Church. Disco Wheels, later Dancing Wheels on West 55th Street in Chicago, is now a City of Chicago mental health facility. Oakland Roller Rink is now the site of a car dealer. There are still a handful of roller rinks left in the Chicago area as of this recording. The Coach Light in Roselle, Fleetwood Roller Rink in Summit, Just for Fun Roller Rink in Mundelein, the Linwood Sports Center in South Suburban Linwood, the Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Family Entertainment Center on 76th Street, the Lombard Roller Rink, and others just waiting for families to strap on skates. In September 2020, CBS Sunday Morning ran a piece on the resurgence of roller skating. I guess if there's a silver lining to a global pandemic, it is that people started finding new ways to get out and exercise, including walking on trails, bike riding, and yes, roller skating. Unfortunately, this resurgence is unlikely to create a new rush of developers looking to build roller rinks. For now, we'll just have our memories. Thank you for listening to today's episode about roller skating in Chicago. Feel free to reach out if you have questions about anything covered today or anything to add. My email is chicagohistorypod at gmail.com. I will have plenty of additional pictures related to the story on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Check it out and give us a follow. The Chicago History Podcast logo and the art used on the social media pages was created by John K. Schneider. Thanks, Johnny. He can be found at AngelEyesArtJKS on Instagram or via email at AngelEyesArtJKS at gmail.com. We'll be back next week with another chapter in Chicago's history. Until then, get out and explore when possible. Learn more about whatever city you live in and stay safe. <laughs>